Jennifer was living a normal life until two months ago when she started to have feelings of uncomfortable swallowing. Over just a few weeks, her small symptoms developed into increasingly painful and difficult swallowing, near-constant acid reflux, and quick feelings of fullness that was leading to unhealthy weight loss. After rounds of testing and medication by doctors, no one knows what's going on with Jennifer, and nothing has helped her feel better. On today's podcast episode, I'm doing a free on-air coaching with Jennifer, where our goal was to get to the bottom of her mysterious acid reflux. What caused it? And even more important, what can she do to reverse it? Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clinics clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Hey guys, it's Allison. Just a quick note before we move on with my interview with Jennifer. If you would like to have a free on-air coaching call just like Jennifer, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash apply. I am currently accepting new applications for free on-air coaching calls. If you have a tough nut to crack in your health and want some support, I would love to talk with you. Just go to, again, to betterbellytherapies.com slash apply or click the link in the show notes. All right, guys. Well, I'm so excited to welcome to the Better Belly podcast, Jennifer. Jennifer reached out to me recently in the DMs and asked me a really great question that was going on in her health. And I was so moved by her question that I said, Jennifer, would you be willing to come on to the Better Belly podcast and get free on-air coaching? I've done this once before on the podcast. Interestingly enough, it was also in a case similar to Jennifer's, but I think there's some unique things going on with Jennifer. And so we're having her on to talk with us and get some free on-air coaching today. Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on to the Better Belly podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So Jennifer, I know you've already told me some stuff. You filled out some forms, but for our listeners' sake, and just to get the ball rolling, would you tell us what would you like to be coached on today? So for the past two months or so, just been having a lot of digestive issues. And it started back in August um, with what felt when I would eat with just like a little bit of a dysphagia feeling. Um, I am hyper aware of my body. I will say that. So, you know, it could be that it's just something I was noticing as my food would go down, but this, this went on for a week or so. And then I started getting heartburn and the heartburn was constant, like never went away. And that went on for like three weeks, three weeks, and then got just kind of more and more intense. 
until I finally was like, okay, I probably need to go see a gastroenterologist. So I made an appointment. Um, initially, she thought it could have it could have been um, eosinophilic esophagitis. So I had an endoscopy done. Um, they took biopsies. They didn't find any eosinophils in my esophagus. Um, so really, what they found was just a little gastritis and on biopsy, some evidence of um, just some reflux esophagitis just at the very bottom of my um, esophagus. Right. So anyway, I was put on a PPI. Um, I thought maybe I'd gotten a little bit of relief from that. But a couple of days after I started that, I started having just a lot of issues when I was eating. So my appetite was gone. I... Um, was not able to eat very much. I had a lot of postprandial fullness that would just last and last and last. So it was like, I would eat and then 30 minutes to an hour later, I would feel like, like a lead ball sitting in my stomach. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that kind of became my more predominant thing over the heartburn for about two weeks. And this is, this is about six weeks into this. And I, I, I started out, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm short and I'm petite and I've lost 10 pounds over the last two months, um, with all this. Um, right. So anyway, then after kind of after, you know, this fullness kind of stuff, the heartburn came back about a week ago, just this week and a half ago, really, really intense heartburn. So now I have both sets of symptoms here. Um, yeah. And that's just kind of what I'm dealing with, you know? So it's like not feeling great, really bad heartburn, can't eat a lot. Um, I actually just, I mean, I've had all these scans done and really nothing is showing up. I actually just yesterday had a barium swallow. Ooh, um, fun. Not fun. Yeah. Which the radiologist did it. And so he was right there and he was like, you know, I just, I'm not seeing a lot. Like even, you know, when I was laying down and drinking barium, like he could, I mean, I could see it go down. So it's like with that dysphagia feeling, I'm, I'm like, well, at least I know it's actually making it into my stomach. Um, so that's kind of where I am. I just have the, these symptoms and it's nothing showing up. And, you know, my thought was maybe gastroparesis, you know, but then there's another scan for that, that we haven't gotten to. So it's just been a, a, basically just tests for the last almost two months and really not coming up with any solid answers. So awesome. it's frustrating. Yeah. So that's my, that's my long story. And you're not alone. I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this podcast who are just going to bug out. They're gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's my story too. First off, I want to say you are not too sensitive in your body. I work with lots of clients and people do have a, like, there's a, a variety of sensitivities people have in their body, but one is not more right than the other. And honestly, a lot of times I find that people who are not as sensitive, the same thing is happening to their body, right? Um, they just only, they only realize it's happening maybe years after someone who's more sensitive would notice it. Like they're just more sensitive to fine tuning things. And so you had said that, and I want to start off with that is not how I see but either what you have going on in general. Like this isn't like, oh, you suddenly became more sensitive. Or, this is your sensitivity problem. And I also just want to say that because I think it's important for us to hear. Like you start to really wonder, am I making this up? Is it in my head? It's not on these lab tests. What's going on? 
Now, hopefully what we're about to discuss is going to illuminate some things. And if you get the right testing, you'll actually be like, oh, wow, it really isn't in my head. But but what you've gone through right now is kind of the classic, well, what is it not? You're making sure it's not certain. Yeah, the, these kind of bigger things. So for anybody who's listening to this, this is an okay thing to go through is kind of the big baddie stuff that you might get diagnosed with and you want to make sure it is or isn't. On top of that, even if you get diagnosed, and I, and I told Jennifer this, um, so I'm letting all the listeners know, even if you get diagnosed with gastroparesis, eosinophilic esophagitis, any of these things, I've worked with clients with this. And so functional medicine can help these things as well as craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, which we'll kind of tease out here. Um, you answered a lot of my questions that I pretty much want to know on a coaching call, which is when did the problem start? What have you tried to improve the problem? Has anything helped either partially or temporarily? Um, and from here on, we, I gave you a bunch of tests to try. So let's talk about these things that information I had you send me. So one was a baking soda test, which anybody who's listening to the podcast for a while is, is heard of before you, you just made a fun face. Tell me how that went. <laughs> Mine was just all over the map. Like the first day it's like 27 seconds. I burped, you know, and then the second day it's like three minutes. And then I actually did my last one this morning because I had a test yesterday morning. So I couldn't do it yesterday, but, um, yeah, that one was like what five or six minutes or something, you know, and it was just like this little like croak. I mean, it wasn't even like a full on burp. So right. I was a little confused by that because it's like, oh, you have really high stomach acid. No, you have really low stomach acid, you know? So our so, stomach acid, our stomach acid levels do vary morning to morning, even for a mm -hmm. kind of healthy person who's having no problems. And so, um, it can have to do with, you know, how late did you eat the night before? Are you still digesting some things? Is there, you know, did you have something that, that were you exposed to something like women on our cycle, uh, estrogen and, and something called histamine will alter the amount of stomach acid we have. So that can fluctuate throughout a month. Um, so that's why we do three tests is try to get that average. And then anytime you get that big wide range, we're thinking, is there kind of medication involvement? Like it's really dampening it one morning. And so we don't quite know if, if you and I had, were working together longer, I'd say, let's just do another three days and see if maybe that really quick number was unusual. Maybe the really long number was unusual. And we just want some more data points. One thing I do want to ask though, is for your really quick one, that 27 second one, uh, what, what was the quality of the burp? <laughs> was it, was it kind of full or was it like a little peep or something? No, that was, that was a pretty good full burp. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, that's the better one of the three. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I mean, it just gets into this whole, like your, your gut is a big whole ecosystem. So that test I would find for the point of our conversation is not going to be particularly helpful other than the fact that it wasn't like high, high, high or low, low, low results, you know, so we'll move on with that, but thanks for doing that test. And that can, can be really elucidative. What we really want to know is, do you have really low stomach acid? Is there a possibility that all of this is happening because you actually have low stomach acid and are not high and the PPI is frustrating that, but we're going to move on. You also sent me blood work and the blood work was phenomenal. I did want to ask, did you have a 
is this your conventional doctor who ra- who ordered all these labs? I, I actually have a functional medicine doctor that I've been working with. Um, but you know, I'm trying to throw the kitchen sink at this thing at this point, you know? So no, yeah, cause so they went ahead and ran those for me, but Wonderful. You had really, you had a lot of marker, more markers than I typically would find on blood work from conventional uh, doctors. And so I thought, is there a chance that she's working with some functional person on the side, Um, which I think is great. Everybody has a different skill set and let's just all work together. So I'm actually going to share my screen with you, which our listeners won't see, but I want you to be able to visually jump into this. I have a uh, specialized spreadsheet that I've created for, for labs that you actually put numbers into and it has functional lab ranges connected to it. So when we're doing blood work, yeah. Are you familiar with the difference between standard and functional lab ranges? Yeah. I mean, somewhat, I know they can be vastly different. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So standard lab ranges are developed. It's, it's going to be whatever the typical thing you get from your doctor where it says it's high, low, and then it says, this is the range. Those standard lab ranges are developed by the average person's results for that lab. So if you're working with a laboratory that works with your entire city, you're basically getting the average person in your city, what their health is. And you're only high or low if you fall a certain percentage outside of this average range. You're not actually comparing yourself to healthy results. You're just comparing yourself to average results, which just in general, the way our country is, even if whether it's your city or your state or your the entire country, it's probably not going to be great average results. And then functional lab ranges, they've been researched by uh, researchers and doctors who say when someone's healthy, what are these ranges going to look like? And so whenever I get this blood work, you, I put this into the sheet. I'm going to give this to you for free. just as a thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, and it's going to have other things that you can, you can just track your blood work moving forward with this, but it's going to be a lot of information. I want to distill some things. So you definitely have in your comprehensive meta, uh, comprehensive metabolic panel signs of low stomach acid or intestinal malabsorption. So really low calcium levels or not really low, but low calcium levels, low protein levels. And this again, when it says protein or calcium, we're not necessarily take talking about intake, right? You can actually be eating these things, but then they are not they're not being broken down and then absorbed properly into the body. You need stomach acid to break down calcium and protein. And so we kind of want to know, is this stomach acid or is this malabsorption something going on with potentially leaky gut? There's other things that could possibly cause this. So if you have H pylori, that can cause low stomach acid, which brings me to one of my first questions for you regarding H pylori. Um, People can suddenly get it. It's fairly easy to get. It is a bacteria that hangs out in the stomach. Have you heard of it before? Yes, I have. Okay, great. Have you been tested for <laughs> it? I I was um, probably about five years ago. I started working with a functional medicine doctor then, but I was pregnant at the time. And so I we did a stool test and I tested positive through that. But because I was pregnant, he didn't feel comfortable treating it. Yes. And then after my son was born, I ended up, nursing him for like 20 months. Yes. And so I still couldn't do the protocol. And by that time it was like, I, you know, had a toddler and two kids and life was moving. And so I just never came back to it, but it's not been treated. Yeah. So I would assume it's still there. 
Yeah. So yeah, exactly. H pylori. Um, I'm, it's super interesting. And, and you're right. If women come to me all the time, they say, I'm, I'm just got pregnant. Or I'm currently pregnant or I'm breastfeeding. And we say, well, we don't want to address that anytime a woman's pregnant or breastfeeding, because it can cause a detoxing effect that will enter into the fetus or the child and their bodies are not ready for that. So that is a great thing that I want all listeners to know. And it's a really big reason if you're considering anybody who's listening and considering getting pregnant or really wanting to get pregnant or having difficulties getting pregnant, it might be because of these things and you definitely want to deal with them and put pregnancy on hold. Otherwise you'll, you will go through the pregnancy and postpartum with it, um, which you didn't know at the time. So no fault no faults or harm to you, but H pylori inherently, some people can have it and it's causing no problems and that's fine. That's why many conventional doctors don't care or don't even test for it. They don't think about it because their, um, conventional research will say it's non-pathogenic. It doesn't cause problems. That's not fully true though. Uh, it, anytime I'm dealing with a client, it's because they're feeling really, really bad like you, right? So let's just assume H pylori is not doing you any favors. It loves stomach acid. It grows when there's stomach acid. And then it can cause low stomach acid and inflammation of the gut line or of the stomach lining specifically. Uh, so I would say in, I'm going to be giving you kind of a list of things in a some semi-orderly manner of things to try, but one <laughs> of them or to do after this call, but one of them is going to be uh, you most likely don't even need to retest. The body doesn't get rid of H. pylori easily. Get rid of H. pylori. Typically, what I recommend is something called Matula tea. It's an herbal tea that was developed by a doctor who found that you can get rid of H. pylori without needing an a, uh, antibiotic. And so I'll give you a little link and I'll share it with our listeners on our podcast show notes, but it's a one month protocol. Drink the tea. Another thing to know about H. pylori is you're going to want your husband to take the tea too, because H. pylori is super contagious. And then you also want to give it to your child, uh, which there's some, you don't want to give it full strength to the child, but because of it's super commutable via swap or sw swap. Interesting. Yeah. Via spit. <laughs> You spit. Um, so kissing, kissing anyone, of course, you know, and we, and kids and their, their saliva, their hands, there's going everywhere for you and your husband. You'll take it full strength for kids. Typically what's recommended or what a lot of practitioners will do is you rebrew the tea you brewed yourself and it's already weaker and you give it to the child. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So as long as he doesn't balk at the idea, I mean, I don't know how easily your child will take this tea. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's always right. the question. You never right. know. Right. Um, but that is kind of a classic way to approach this problem when we're thinking about you, if you only you take the tea, you can easily re-get it from your, how, your, your spouse or your child. Yeah, but yeah, H. pylori. Yeah. H. pylori could definitely be a part of what you have going on and it would cause that low stomach acid. Now, the question is you've had that since, you know, for four years. Why now? At, le at least. Yeah. Right. Right. Why now? Why did all this happen? So I would say typically my approach and what I recommend anyone who's thinking about a complex or stubborn problem in their health, you're going to want to think in layers. So it might be maybe H. pylori is unrelated, but it's not worth the risk to not do anything about it. So do something about the H. pylori and then likely there's something else going on because you've had that H. pylori for a long time. 
one other thing to note here is on your blood work, you had something low that's called alkaline phosphatase. I love this marker. It is a huge marker that shows that you are likely both having low stomach acid, but particularly low zinc. You need zinc to make this marker and you need zinc to make stomach acid. So you're deficient in zinc. Um, most likely it's not a zinc specific test, but if you're low in zinc, your immune system is going to be down. Your skin might have more problems. It could be acne, eczema, dryness, um, zinc is it's, it's going on for you. So along with your protocol, after you get rid of H pylori, you want to boost your stomach acid levels at appropriate levels. And we're going to talk about for you, a wise way to do that. And then on top of that, um, you're going to want to do a zinc protocol. And I'm going to share these things with you via your client portal that you created with us. Okay. Just so you're not like totally floating <laughs> around in nowhere. Uh, because <laughs> there's details to all this, right? There's like, yeah, the, there's right. The, there are, there's the overhead of like, this is what you got to do. And you're like, well, how do I do it? I'm going to share that with right. you. Uh, cause it's just too much to do right now, but um, some other things that came up and I'm actually going to bounce down. You're going to see me scrolling down here. So don't get, hope, hope that's not too disorienting. No, you're you're low in magnesium. You're about half of what's, or not half, two thirds of what is recommended for functional lab ranges. And this is, okay. um, blood magnesium. Okay. So when magnesium's low in the blood, it can be possibly from things like stress. So magnesium is used for over 500 enzymatic reactions in the body. And when our stress is elevated, a lot of those enzymatic reactions are correlated to stress. Which I would say, I mean, this, this situation has been very stressful for me, you know? Um, so, I mean, that would, that would make sense for sure. And, and it's, it'd be interesting. Have you had your magnesium levels taken before? Could you look and see, have they plummeted recently? Have they been low for a long time? It may or may not be related to what you have going on, but magnesium as well as a couple other minerals are going to be key for uh, your muscles to contract. And that could be impacting smooth muscle contraction in the gut. You passed your barium test, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have optimal motility in your gut. Right. 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 So, but taking magnesium is going to be another thing I'm going to recommend. It's going to be magnesium malate is a specific form that's very usable by the body. And you're going to, for listeners, if you're curious for magnesium malate, you're going to want to do 500, 500, five times your weight in pounds. Uh, so what can you share? Are you willing to share what your weight in pounds is? I I'm at one Oh three right now. Yeah. So you'd be about 500, give or take, you could push it up to 600, you know, just knowing you might have a higher normal weight. So 500 to 600 milligrams a day. And I'm going to give you a brand that I really recommend and things like that. Good. All right. So I want to jump a little bit to another place in your blood work, which is your iron. Your iron was in a really interesting state which is you had really high iron. So you actually had normal iron levels in the blood and normal, normal, something called total iron binding capacity, but you had really high iron saturation. And then you also had really low ferritin and the ferritin, this, this actually combination of high iron saturation and low ferritin is interesting. Ferritin is a stored form of iron in your liver. And if it is a lot of times 
if you have an infection, for example, your body will take all your iron in your body and store it as ferritin because infections will want to use that ferritin or the iron to fuel their own nutrient mm-hmm. needs. Okay. Well, if you have the opposite where you have really low ferritin in the liver, it can suggest something in the liver is not working well. The liver is not currently able to take the iron, which is definitely there and then can, and then to store it. And you want to have these healthy levels of stored iron on top of that. You then have really high iron saturation, which means it's, it's there in the blood. It's not making it into a stored version in the liver. And that can be really stressful to the body to have high irons, uh, high levels of iron in the blood. So some options and reasons why the liver might not be doing so well might be liver like heavy metal toxicity. So I want to ask, do you have anything mm-hmm. like uh, mercury amalgams? So, uh, I actually don't. Okay. I, have, I don't just, have any fillings. So there's, yeah, that's great. There's no, that, I'm but just, just asking <laughs> questions. Thing. Right. Right. Number one. Um, number two, did you ever take birth control like as a pill, the birth control pill? I did for a few years, about 15 years ago. It's okay. been a while since I've been on it, but if it's, storing it, it could still be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, have you ever had a copper IUD or an IUD in general? No. Okay. And then have you moved recently? No, no. Okay. Uh, those, some of those things, I'm just thinking about what recently might've impacted these things and the, all those things. So the pill IUDs, hormonal or copper, and then moving to a new home can be re- correlated with increased exposure to copper and copper is proestrogenic and prohistamine. Uh, it's a prohistamine. So it creates more histamine in the body and more estrogen, which is part of the reason why it would keep you from getting pregnant if someone has copper is had like a copper IUD, something that is, is copper in the body, but on top of it, it, when you have that higher level of histamines, it could be creating increased stomach acid levels. So that's something else I'm thinking about. Is there something copper going on that's creating histamine that then would create kind of a bunch of stomach acid, you know, jumbledy gook, just really nastiness. <laughs> Any questions on that iron? discussion there? No, that's interesting though. Like it'd be interesting to look into more, you know, into, right. into that more and just kind of see what's maybe what's going on. Right. And I'm going to recommend or give you some options of things I recommend for supporting the liver is kind of what, what I call like just a gunshot principle where we don't, we haven't looked more into things and it's, you don't want to only support the liver doing this, right? You want to make sure you're finding out the root cause of stuff, but the liver is just this big cleaning device. It's like the air purifier of your body. And if you've been exposed to things long enough, it could be that whatever happened in the last two months, maybe you just hit a tipping point. Sorry to interrupt. Here's a question though. So that blood work was taken shortly after I had had scans or I had barium and contrast, you know, just all these things I think that would be going through my liver. So I don't know if that would make a difference in not, not typically your blood, yeah. okay. your blood is fairly good at being stable. I mean, other than blood glucose might be going up and down dramatically yeah. if you're not stabilizing it well with insulin, but our bodies work really hard to have blood work, be blood, be as stable as possible. So anything okay. that's slightly higher, slightly low does show a strain in the system. Cause your body's like, Whoa, like a long-term strain, uh, the body's can't really cope with that, but yeah, good question. So you're going to want to support the liver to help it detox. 
Uh, one thing related to copper, cause I am still suspicious copper might be something you have going on. So for example, uh, are you, do you still have a cycle or do you currently have a cycle? Yeah. Is it particularly painful, heavy, irregular? Uh, do you get tender breasts with it? Headaches, um, kind of moodiness. Yeah, I get quite a, I mean, I get, I just get achy. Like I get achy, achy. like I have the flu Okay. Um, and I get headaches. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty regular and, you know, each time it lasts about three days, but, but yeah, I have a lot of uncomfortable symptoms with my period. Interesting. So one of the big symptoms though, is feeling maybe just like your muscles ache and your joints ache. It's just kind of this diffuse kind of achiness. Like I don't even, I don't even know, you know, where, where it comes from. It's just kind of my arms, my legs will hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah, but not fun, but so that's a big symptom of a vague term called systemic inflammation. It's the idea Mm -hmm. that you have this influx of inflammation in your body, which we do. Our periods are designed to detox us. It's actually a detox method, but if you have a lot to detox or there's just already a, a baseline level of inflammation in your body, and then you get your period, you, that inflammation level rises significantly. That's why people will get diarrhea sometimes. That's a lot of times an inflammation response, but then that diffused achiness is all those inflammatory markers going everywhere in your body, your head, your eyeballs, your muscles, your skin. So those symptoms can, can come up as different things. So that does tell me, okay, you, you have a baseline level of inflammation. That's definitely going overboard when you have your cycle. Um, when, how long has that been the case of your cycles that felt like, Oh, that's kind of been the norm my whole life or since I had my kid or the last few years. Yeah. It's my daughter is 10. And I remember after my periods came back, cause I nursed her and you know, that kind of kept them away for a while, but yeah, it seems like when they came back with her, that's when I really started feeling that kind of achiness. Um, prior to that, it was more just a little bit of like stomach cramping. Um, so I mean a good, like probably 10 years or so that's been going on. Okay. So I'd say that's probably another layer that's going on that your cycles are going to majorly improve as you're trying to figure out what's going on with this, this stomach thing. Cause we definitely want to make sure that your inflammatory markers aren't also adding to the, the acid and the, and the clenching and the, you know, also the fact that you kind of get, would get stomach cramping prior to that, uh, prior mm-hmm. to, to her sounds like low magnesium in particular which is fairly, it's more commonly talked about these days, but you know, 10 or 20 years ago, it wasn't talked about that much yeah. being magnesium deficient. So it just means your smooth muscles in your, in your gut didn't have enough magnesium to contract smoothly. So then they spasmed on the cycle specifically, just cause it burns through magnesium. So again, another good reason to take magnesium, but it's not solving the problem. It's, it's kind of supporting everything. All right. So let's keep going. You ready? All right. So some other things in your blood work, you had low white blood cells. This can suggest a variety of things. And two of them stood out to me could mean chronic bacterial or viral infection, just meaning something that is kind of your baseline and maybe it just got flared up and we still don't know hundred percent why, but something in your body enabled that to flare up. And that might be why it suddenly is worse. So maybe that's that H pylori or it's something else going on. But another thing that's interesting is something called leukocytic autodigestion. And this is happens when you are, when you have low stomach acid and often low bile is 
potentially one or the other, but definitely both is your white blood cells will act as another agent to help you digest food. They'll basically, they'll they'll kind of kill themselves to help you break up food. So leukocytic is your white blood cells and then auto digestion being like, they're kind of coming in to try and help you digest. Interesting. So every now and again, I've gotten a client who, who's very clean on their pathogens Mm -hmm. in their blood work or not in their blood work, but in the functional lab testing that we do, but then they have really low white blood cells. And as soon as we help them start to digest better, get that bile at a good level, get the stomach acid at a good level, then that, then that those white blood cells pop back up. So you definitely are not digesting easily and well, you feel it in your body. It's definitely showing up in your tests. Right. So I don't know, but it does leave that opening up of again, what other pathogens might be present for you. Okay. Some other things that are interesting are your red blood cells and your hematocrit. They're both low levels and that can suggest a couple things. One is again, copper toxicity, leaky gut and or digestive inflammation, and then something else, nutrient deficiency, specifically B12, B6, and folate. Now you actually got B12 on your blood work because your doctor's awesome. (laughs) And again, it's just another reason why you want more markers typically compared to less and conventional doctors are trained very differently and they, they will actually fight you to try and get this. And I'm saying this for the benefit of our listeners that you can still ask for these markers from your doctor. And I will include a link where you can download the markers that I recommend people to get in blood work, but many doctors will fight you, including when I try to, if I try to get blood work through my conventional doctors, they'll be like, why, why, why? Because they, they actually have to account for why they order stuff. And so it's by, it's because of insurance, like insurance is kind of like, well, why'd you do that? And then the hospital will ping them like, oh, you're ordering too many things. That's really expensive. That's whatever. So it actually all comes down to money. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Right. But the one that interested me, cause your B12 is fine. Your B12 is like perfect in your blood work, which is, I loved it. So I really felt like when I looked at this, I thought, well, another thing we haven't talked about yet is folate. And I'm really curious, do you take a supplement that has folate in it? And do you know if it's methylated? I'm not currently, I have a methylated supplement. Um, but I was saying when I take multivitamins, like in the past, I get nauseated a lot of the time. So then it's like, I'm kind of back and forth with them. And then right now I just, I haven't really been taking anything aside from um, like something called elemental heal. You know, that's like a a powder, like a nutrient powder that I can put in a liquid. Um, Just because at this point I haven't been able to eat as much as I feel like I need to be able to. So I'm trying to get nutrients that way. Um, But as far as like capsules and things like that. I just, I haven't really been taking much of anything. I'm not actually not even sure. Like, would it, would it go through my digestive system at this point? If it's just going to hang out in my stomach for however long, you know, question about, would you get nauseated even if you took the multivitamin with a meal? It kind of depends. Like, I think if I just okay. did the multivitamin, I'd be okay. But there's been times where, you know, I've had a bunch of labs or, you know, tests done. And it's like, okay, here's 20 supplements that you need to take throughout the day. And it's just trying to get those all in. I just, sometimes I can't do it or they'll make me feel really tired, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, all right. So I, and I've heard all this before. Typically what I see when clients are saying that, like, I feel really nauseated. So we can feel nauseated after taking supplements because supplements can 
throw off the pH in our stomach mm-hmm. and we will get nausea. The body will basically say, Hey, whoa, that was too intense. And we will feel nauseated if anything from a big change in pH really fast. So that is a thing, but people should have, typically there should be a little bit more resilience. And I find that clients who get nauseated, even when eating it with food or, 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 cause I've, we have plenty of clients. I have plenty of clients I work with who can take the same amount of supplements that I give another person who makes them nauseated. And then 20 of those clients, it makes, doesn't make them nauseated. Yeah. So it's not the, it's not the supplements. Right. It's kind of what's going on in the person. Mm-hmm. So I'd go back again to H pylori balancing the stomach acid level. So get rid of the H pylori, um, with, cause you don't want to, you don't want to put stomach acid and zinc back in the body. So through betaine HCL, which is hydrochloric acid until there's no H pylori rebalance and add back in stomach acid with zinc. The zinc will help you start to create your own stomach acid again, and then start to see, will you have a little bit more robustness and, and, and ability to hold supplements in your body without that nausea. But in general, I am looking at folate possibly being really important. And again, copper toxicity and gut inflammation did come up. So we want to make sure, is there anything else going on in causing inflammation in the gut, food sensitivities, pathogens, copper toxicity, I'd recommend something called an HTMA test, okay, which is a hair tissue mineral analysis okay. test. And that's something I do with my clients. I have this written down for you, so you'll be able to see it. But the other, the reason folate really stuck out to me is you had another marker on your lab that was high. And I'd say re- like, Uh, not just like sort of high, but starting to get into the, okay, that's definitely out of range, well out of range. And that's something called homocysteine. So homocysteine is an amino acid. Yeah. Okay. So you're familiar Mm -hmm. with it. What do you know, or has your functional doctor talked to you about it? Um, we've talked about it in the past. I, it's one of those markers for me that has kind of been up and down. Um, okay. But then it's like going back to like the MTHFR mutations. Like I've got two of those, you know, so, okay. Um, I can't tell you right now off the top of my head, which two I have. I think it's the two most it, common ones, it does. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah. So right. I think that okay. that comes into play probably. Okay. Cause you're, yeah, this lab screams, I could possibly have an MTHFR yeah. gene mutation and you already know you do. Yeah. So you really want to be taking methylated folate. If you don't, your health will go down as an MTHFR gene mutation carrier, methylated folate is your friend. Unmethylated folate is your enemy. Not just like, oh, it, it's not, it's neutral in the body. I don't know if you, like if you eat anything that has like, if it's fortified cereal has unmethylated folate in it called folic acid, mm-hmm. that can actually block the receptor cells for taking in methylated folate. And then if you like, say you eat this uh, fortified cereal that has unmethylated folate in it, it blocks the receptor cells. Then you take a nice methylated vitamin, even if it didn't make you nauseated, it would actually block you Price. absorbing that. Methylated not doing any good. Just, just look through any supplements. I know you're not taking any right now, but any that you might in the future, any cereals or yeah. foods that might be fortified, make sure that you're not, not taking those things. Cause it'll block it, but definitely you're going to want to, as soon as you can, like as soon as it doesn't make you want to throw up or something, start taking folic at folate, methylated folate, because that could very well be part of, we don't even actually fully know all the things that MTHFR gene can impact. There's a lot of theories and not enough research to know for sure. So even I can't say like, oh, it's is or isn't affecting what you have going on. It actually very well could be. We just, right. just we don't, don't know. know. We don't have research on the specific 
thing. Um, so that's something that stuck out to me. Again, that was because of some other markers, your red blood cells and your hematocrit. Um, your hemoglobin was low. And one of the things that can cause that to be low is uh, respiratory distress. And that can come in specifically things like asthma or post-COVID difficulties. But in even if you don't have those things and you didn't get COVID in the last like six months, did you? I did actually. I had it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. So that I, I probably should have mentioned that I had it in 2020 and then I got it again just in June. Um, okay. And that was a thought like with, with the, um, GI doctor, maybe this is this like a post spiral kind of gastroparesis thing, you know? Um, I guess they have seen some of that. I don't know, but yes. Um, I don't, I mean, I really, this time it felt more like a cold. I don't feel like I had the breathing difficulty, okay. but I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it didn't get into my lungs, I guess. Right. It's well, and what you just said opened up a labyrinth <laughs> of thing of thoughts, right? So COVID refining is incredibly inflammatory the, to the body. Even if you don't have a really intense, uh, case of it, mm -hmm. we find that we're actually, and I don't know if you've met these people, you, I mean, you might have friends who are these people, you don't even have an intense case, but you feel like after having that mild case, you're really fatigued. You like all these things might happen to this person's health where they're almost getting post COVID without even having an intense case of COVID itself. I do know some of those people. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a thing. And you might be getting a specific manifestation where I'm thinking, uh, you would have had an increased amount of inflammation, a little bit of, and I'm not even thinking about post uh, breathing problems at this point, I'm thinking inflammation, just COVID creates so much inflammation for people. And so supporting the liver is going to be super helpful getting rid of the H pylori because it's not doing you any, any benefits. I'm saying, re-saying things. So you can hear the layers yeah. adding up. Yeah. Um, being able to take folate again, so we can get you vivacious gastroparesis, by the way, is considered by, I'd say a lot of people consider it, not everyone, but a lot of people consider it to probably be more of an autoimmune disorder than mm -hmm. anything. I can see that. So even the fact that you could, you can get temporary gastroparesis that post viral has to do with the inflammation causing this autoimmune response. And that then the, then you don't know where that's going to show up for you. It might be showing up. Very interesting. Yes. So yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, anything that detoxes is great for post COVID. Um, I did cupping myself. It was really helpful because cupping will help mobilize your fascia and your lymph underneath the fascia and all sorts of stuff. I don't know if you've ever done it. Acupuncture can be really helpful. And I'm I don't want about to start that. Yeah. Um, it could actually be yeah. really impactful. Uh, see if your acupuncturist does cupping. Cause that tends to be something that they pair. Okay. Um, not all mm -hmm. acupuncturists do, but for example, mine did, um, I'm looking at this here breathing difficulty, but let's go back to that because, okay. I, I mean, I felt like that's probably the biggest thing we found of like, why now might be that COVID infection in, in June, right? but let's just keep digging. So can, okay. do you feel like, I want you to do a little test for me. If you could just sit up okay, and then I want you to breathe into your belly and just see like, can you get breath into your belly? You feel like you hit a restriction or like it doesn't go very far. Um, it's uncomfortable. It feels, it feels tight when I, like I can see my belly go out, but there's like a, 
just like a tightness. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel almost like I can't push it out as far as it could go. Yes. Okay. So that's a big sign of a visceral restriction. And you originally contacted me because you said, could visceral manipulation help me? And I said, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe uh, let's do yeah. And I would say I was already fairly, I was vaguely certain that it was going to be very helpful, but then thought visceral manipulation doesn't get rid of H. pylori, for example. And I just wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, I want to talk to you about all these different layers and like, oh, visceral manipulation wouldn't help your folate levels. <laughs> like right. sorts of fun things. But there's layers. Yeah. Lots layers. of layers for sure. So <laughs> what I want to do is walk you through how to find a visceral manipulation practitioner near you. I'd also be happy to see you. I have had clients come to me from faraway distances for like an extended day tr treatment, but I'm also just going to walk you through. So I don't even know who you have, who you may or may not have in your area. So I'm going to share a screen here. And for anybody who's listening and they're like, Ooh, I want to find someone, a visceral manipulation <laughs> practitioner near me, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash find, and you will get my easy guide there. But so let's do a little bit of digging here. Jennifer, what are the first three digits of your zip code? So you put in your first three digits of your zip code where it asks for the zip code. Cause when you put in the first three, it actually searches a wider area, hit advanced filter, search by modality, scroll down to visceral manipulation and hit find. And we're going to search a large area in your city. Now the most skilled practitioners will typically be towards the top. So if you feel like you get one or two or three or four people who look like they've taken a bunch of classes and then it drops off. Those are your people anyway, so that they make the site makes it nice and easy for you. So for you, you're showing up and you pretty much have one person. You can see over yeah. here, these, these black dots, and they only have two levels of visceral manipulation. They could still be very helpful. They're actually an acupuncturist in training. You can see their little title here. Um, so that's at least interesting. You could potentially go and see, do you want to get acupuncture and visceral manipulation from them? But mm -hmm. I would say I would look for someone who has this fourth level here because that's the thorax, which is your rib cage area. It's a specific le okay. level of training. Now it's possible maybe you could drive somewhere outside of this zip code area. Um, so you would search your city. That might be in a, in a driving distance that you'd be willing to do um, and just see who else comes by. So I do that with clients too, instead of zip code, choose a big city. You don't want to choose a small city, Yeah. but yeah. you know, I live near Detroit. So I'd put Detroit, not like some little something else. So <laughs> these people, you can kind of see only two dots here for visceral manipulation. They've done a lot in general, but visceral manipulation, two dots, two dots here. And it's a mm -hmm. less common skill set, despite how powerful it is. So I can't explain why people don't want to take it, but it's just, it's not picked up. Um, a lot of stuff. This person has done VM4. They're PT. Um, but it looks like the one thing with PT sometimes is they might be in a hospital system. So you might have to like get on a wait list to see them and make sure your insurance covers it, opposed to a private practice, which sometimes it's easier to slip in and see them. So I will, I will, if I can interject, I actually, because I had I had been listening to your podcast and you know, reading that in your book and all that. So I actually, I had looked on the website, but I ended up and I'm not sure how I found it. There's a PT nearby and they, they focus, their focus is kind of autonomic yeah. issues. Yeah. And so right there on their website, you know, gastroparesis yes. is one of the things that they treat. Yes. 
And so I actually had a phone consultation about that. And it was just like, he talked about, you know, the thoracic nerves Mm -hmm. and the nerves in the back. And so I I mean, they're not on the site, but I was like, I'm just going to go in and, you know, do a consultation and see if this can help. So I I haven't done that yet. I have the appointment, but um, yeah, that was just kind of the the direction I ended up going with that. So I was going to kind of layer that with the acupuncture. Perfect. You know, and just, just see if that will get me some relief, but I'd also explained, you know, just about the, the heartburn stuff and this PT had kind of talked to me about how, you know, um, all those things can affect your esophagus too. Yes, exactly. So you want someone who thinks in layers when it comes to this esophagus and stomach connection, because it goes Mm -hmm. through your rib cage and then into your soft abdominal structure, and then it punctures your diaphragm. There's just a lot going on. So you might have some type of health history where you fell on your tailbone, you hit your head, you go in a car accident, your shoulders got jostled, seatbelt kind of compressed into you. All these things uh, we think of like, oh, I got a bruise there. Or I got a concussion, but they can affect our viscera, mm-hmm. our organs all the way down through our body because of the shock of the, and once you think of physics, like it reverberating through the body. Right. Right. So yeah, I think this person sounds phenomenal. I love it when someone's that specific, it out. right? Yeah. So perfect. Yeah. However you found them do it. So I would say you do have signs because of that low hemoglobin, possibly respiratory distress, possibly electrolyte mineral imbalance. So you just don't have mm-hmm. enough calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium. We don't have more testing to give us more insight into that, but that would be an HTMA test could give you more insight into calcium, potassium, and sodium. I would okay. not recommend just taking them. Uh, cause if you already have something right. high yeah. or whatever, you don't want to just blindly take those supplements, but especially we even know your magnesium is good. Like, um, just a couple of things to note from your blood work. Your LDL was really high or not super high. It was, it was somewhat elevated and your triglycerides were low and that's showing that liver strain again. So liver's mainly primarily responsible for the balancing of cholesterol. It's less about your diet. Uh, triglycerides is a little bit more about your diet, but the cholesterol itself. So HDL, LDL, the good and bad cholesterol and mm-hmm. swells total cholesterol. That's very liver indicative. And so, um, okay. just something to keep in mind is again, really wanting to support that liver with everything that went on. And that makes sense. If you had COVID and it just really queued up your inflammation and now your liver is extra burdened and it can't catch up. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, you're living your life and more normal levels of toxins are coming in, but the liver can't catch up. You will not feel good. Okay. So I have a question for you. Yeah. We actually, I mean, what are your thoughts about like infrared sauna for that? Great. We have one, but I just don't, I don't utilize it as much as I should probably. Yeah. No. And then sometimes when I'm not, when I'm not feeling good, I think it's just that heat shock a little bit, um, feels a little hard on my body sometimes. And that could, but maybe I just need to shorten the session or I would say shorten the session. So it is very much a thing that you can do something that's detoxing for you. And it will make you feel bad because you detox or because your body can't handle it. Or you like, your nervous system is really elevated for whatever reason. Cause you're in pain or cause you're anxious about why you don't feel so good. Or cause you're, you're, you're malnourished, not malnourished. Like, you know, your body, it's a, it's a stress pattern to not have enough calories and, and it's not for mm-hmm. anything you you're trying to do to yourself. Right. You just, no, it's, just, it, it's not it possible is at this point. And I've got, I've got my chronometer. So I'm trying to track my calories, trying to get in a certain amount every day, but you know, it's hard. Sometimes it's like my stomach just can't, right. can't handle it right now. Right. 
Um, so. yeah, I totally get it. So, and, and what you're experiencing is very real. It's not, I went through the same thing and I wondered like, Oh, am I like, I don't know, making up all this so I can have an eating disorder. And I'm like, no, I, I really just want to, <laughs> yeah, eat. that's not what you want people to think. Yes. Like I want to be, I love to eat. It's right. just, and then it's like, when you started out at like 110 pounds or something like that, you know, it's like, you don't want it. I mean, I just being petite, I don't have the weight to lose, I guess. Right. So that's been hard. And that's also know? a misconception with, with, with chronic illness. And I don't know if you've dealt with this, but doctors kind of saying, well, usually someone who you, acid reflux tend to be someone who's overweight and you're like, well, I'm not. And then they'll blow you off. So <laughs> I don't hope that's not right. happened to you. <laughs> no, I've just gotten a lot of like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> so could just, you know, that's always fun. Post COVID inflammation. I mean, might be a really nice way to summarize what I'm seeing here. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to <laughs> mention was your thyroid here. And you do have elevated TSH, which is that chemical that mm -hmm. goes from the brain to the thyroid that says, Hey, thyroid gland, please make thyroid hormone. And then your thyroid hormone, both T4 and T3 are low and all of them, both free and total. And I'm not going to break down why free and total are important, but they are, which is again, why I loved that you're your ordering physician got all these things. Uh, but basically when you see all of these really low, one thing I am interested in is considering iodine deficiency. Now iodine deficiency, if you Google it, there's it, it'll, you will explode with like, it's gonna, it's bad for you. Like it's bad to take iodine. It's good to take iodine. How do you deal with iodine? It's a little bit more of a tricky thing because you can't overdose on iodine, but either if your functional doctor doesn't feel comfortable with it, I'm, I do a protocol with my clients once we do an HTMA test to get a better bearing on how you can healthfully supplement iodine. But I'd be super curious if you just got a good, uh, safe way of getting iodine into you, if these markers would pop up again. And so again, we're thinking nutrients and I don't know, no idea if this, um, could have been depleted because of COVID because COVID really depletes people of a lot of their minerals could have been, you know, something you've had ongoing and you're just going to bonus feel a lot better after doing all this work. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, like I, fatigue has been an issue for a while yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, could be, I don't actually, I guess on that, it's, it's not like Hashimoto's, but it's not, I, it's yeah, it it's definitely not, op it's not optimal, yeah. you know? It doesn't look like Hashimoto's um, by any means. And then lastly, your vitamin D is low, which you're like, oh, surprise, surprise. Sounds like, um, and I wanted to ask you, do you take any? Because you could have it low even taking it. I have not been supplementing with that either. And every time, every time I get my D checked, it's low and it's like, okay, you need to take, you know, 10,000 IU. Yeah. You need to get out in the sun, which I sometimes wonder if I don't, because I actually try to get my, like, 15 to 20 minutes of sunlight time every day. And I, it's almost like I don't, maybe I don't convert it well or something, you know? Um, cause it doesn't seem to make a difference because I've been outside. I've been outside quite a bit. Cause you know, right. It's just like sunlight is important. I think for getting well, right. You know? And, right. So, I mean, yeah. So all that aside, vitamin D. So vitamin D can be an interesting thing too. I would think about calcium too, cause your calcium was low in your blood work, but I find a pretty decent amount of my clients who, when they have low, low calcium in the blood work, it's really elevated in their HTMA because your blood is where you're holding calcium, but you're actually, the hair is where you're excreting it. So it's almost like studying your poop, <laughs> like your mineral poop is your right. hair, right? 
I hope it didn't gross anyone out, but it's what your body's excreting. So you could actually be leaching calcium from your body and it would show up in the hair. And we sometimes, if it's elevated enough, we'll even call it a calcium shell, which could actually be causing problems with calcium shells can cause problems with smooth muscle tissue, um, functioning well. So again, really interested in getting that HTMA for use because an H hair tissue analysis will actually tell you where are your calcium levels? Calcium interacts with vitamin D in this funny way where it, they work together, right? So if you don't have the right amount of calcium, that's basically bioavailable to your body, then you're not going to transport your vitamin D very well. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, so this is where like, functional, everything's so connected. <laughs> and it's so cool. And you could do, you could do so many things, right. And be missing enough of the wrong, the right, the wrong yeah, things. And you don't yeah. get the results you want. And I'm just going to go back and feel like, I feel like we hit it dead on. If I were to make a bet co- post COVID inflammation would be the onset of everything, but now you can have mm-hmm. more information to like, really, really work through some amazing things and feel better than you did even in May pre yeah. all of this. Right. Cause I mean, it's not like I was feeling wonderful then it's just, you know, like I've had a low level fatigue, like I said, for a while, but, um, we've never actually been able to kind of figure that out. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. Maybe I should see this as a blessing, you know, to get my booty and gear to correct all these things, Yes, you know, I'm going to make a couple of life. Yes. To the fullest. Yes. I'm going to make a couple notes on the vitamin D here and I have it written here, but I want to verbally say a vitamin D could also possibly be low if your fat intake isn't high enough. Cause it's a fat soluble vitamin. Yeah. Right now it's probably not. And right now it's not, but, but if it's chronically low, don't know if that's going on also fat assimilation, yeah. which is mm-hmm. your, even if you say you have enough bile and stomach acid and you break down your fat really well, assimilating it has to do with this shuffling of fat to make it usable. So, um, I, supplement is called, called acetyl L-carnitine helps shuffle Mm -hmm. that fat and make it usable by cells. So sometimes when I see that vitamin D really low, if there's not a calcium shell, taking acetyl L-carnitine will really help that. And I know you're like, oh, yay, supplements. I will get nauseated. So you really want to like go back and first deal with H. pylori, get some of that visceral manipulation, um, do all that, and you'll be able to take supplements. Yeah. I may have to try to do a little bit of like what it can get in like a powder or a liquid form for now. I seem to do better with that than a capsule. Sometimes if I can, I'll break them open, but you know, I need to, I'll find some way to get it in. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, I, was this helpful? Was this, this was great. Yeah. What, this is great. What were, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. What were some of your aha points or what were some of your favorite things from today? I think just the way that you, I mean, I wouldn't say one for particular thing. It's just the way that you are able to pull out these things and then connect them together. Whereas it's like, you know, I, I, I look at some of these things and I'm like, yeah, well that's out of range and that's out of range, but I don't know why, which I probably need to, I need to do your, your blood labs course. then, so I know these things, right? Yes. Well, the bootcamp <laughs> is so great for this and yes, yeah. I would highly recommend it. You can join the wait list for when it reopens next. Yeah. And I would say also like, I think, and this may be important for other people is just the post COVID stuff. Cause I mean, you kind of think, you know, like the flu, you're like, Oh, you get it and you're sick for a week or two and then you get over it, you know? But, um, I think a lot of times we don't realize just the impact that some of those things continue to have on our bodies. So yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was helpful to hear. 
for sure. No, I love it. This is great. It's like, it's like a puzzle. It's so invigorating too. So thank you so (laughs) much for coming on to the Better Belly podcast, Jennifer, and sharing your story with us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode and interview with Jennifer. And I hope for those of you listening, got some insight into your own health and some of the odd things that can bring on symptoms and conditions. Well, if you would like a free on-air coaching call, just like Jennifer, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash apply. I am now accepting applications for free on-air coaching calls. So if you have a tough nut to crack in your health, I would love to talk with you and dive deeper to find out what's really going on in your health. Also, if you're interested in learning how to read your blood work, just like we went through Jennifer's, sign up for Blood Lab Bootcamp by going to betterbellytherapies.com slash bootcamp. Blood Lab Bootcamp is an online course that I've created to teach you how to read your blood work better than your doctors. So again, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash bootcamp to apply for the wait list now for when that course reopens or click the link in the show notes. If you are a client who is local to me, you can go to betterbellytherapies.com slash book now and book an appointment. I would love to see you in my office, you and me doing craniosacral therapy, visceral manipulation, functional lab testing, and just making you feel all better. If you are ready, just again, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash book now. I would love to work with you there. If you are a virtual client and you would love to work with me in the foundations program, my wait list is still open. You can join at betterbellytherapies.com slash wait list. On the foundations program, we do four functional lab tests that look deeper into your health so we can find the root cause of what's going on with your gut health symptoms. Lastly, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while listening to this podcast, take a screenshot and share it with them. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. And if this podcast has meant anything to you, if these episodes have been helpful and insightful to you, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on our Apple podcast or Spotify. I love it when people share with me how the podcast is impacting them. So if this has meant anything to you, go ahead and leave a rating and review. And as always, our motto, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. Catch you guys next week.